Hello and welcome to Kicking Tires. My name is Jimmy. And I'm Justin. And we got some news today with Acra teasing us again with the Integra. Chevy showed us a picture of the Z06. A bunch of stuff for the Grand Cherokee non-L, so the shorter version. Um, and we have some news also about Rolls Royce and Subaru, Subaru information as well. But let's get started with Acra because they once again teased us with the Integra. Um, When it was announced, uh, what was it, like three weeks ago, two weeks ago, Mm. something like that, Um, I said that it's very likely the Integra is going to be some sort of five-door hatchback, maybe a Grand Coupe-type vehicle. And hey... Look what we have here, a five-door hatchback Integra, exactly yeah. what I called. Yeah, and in, in Acura's press release, they even, the second, the first picture is this that we, we've seen this week. Uh, it looks kind of like the Audi Sportback. The second picture in their press release is from 1986, so what's that, 35 years ago? Uh, the Acura Integra RS five-door. So, has Acura been around that long? 35 years? Holy crap. Um, yeah. But yeah, the <laughs> it's not new to them to do the hatchback. Uh, we've, I think even what the DC2, they don't call it a DC2. But well, DC2 and DC5 were both hatches, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, no, and, well, and you could get those in a four-door, well, five-door well, hatch the, too. Yeah, the DC2 you can. But not... Yeah, yeah, not the RS6. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is... You know, some people think Integra, I think to our generation or the younger generation, maybe that weren't around when the DC2 was, was um, you know, kind of the hot car to get. Uh, to them, Integra is the Type R, the DC2R, the RS6. What we have here is an RS6, the DC5. Um, but Integra is really kind of like a tarted up Civic <laughs> in a sense. Um <laughs> Yeah, it basically is. Right? And that's what it was. That's what the basis for this car was. Um, and so we're, we're expecting pretty much the same out of this new one. We don't know exactly what's uh, what the underpinnings are, how the, the drivetrain configuration is, but we have pretty good guesses. Yeah. Yeah, we do have pretty good guesses. We're It's going to be a Civic-based vehicle because it, it has to be. It wouldn't be based yeah. on the TLX. The proportions are just right to be mm-hmm. based on the 11th gen uh, Civic. Um, on Reddit, someone put the uh, image of the uh, press release onto uh, uh, basically a cameled version of the uh, Integra. And, like, you know, seeing it here, it basically looks like the, the 11th gen Civic, except in a longer hatchback, not the shorter hatchback that you can get as a Civic, but maybe a little bit longer, because uh, the tail portion definitely looks longer than the uh, than the hatchback that's on the Civic. Roofline yeah. looks similar. I don't think it's much shorter than that, so I don't think it's like full-on sportback type styling, mm-hmm. but it looks similar. And it definitely, you know, we were talking about it last week when uh, we were talking about the the pricing of the new Civic hatchback. The the Acura version looks a lot better. Um, 
It's just yeah. the, the way the, the curves and the taillights resolve is a lot better than that new 11th gen Civic. The 11th gen looks a little bit taller, a little bit more practical, but you know, a little, a little bit stubbier. This one a little bit more stretched out and very much an Audi. The the rear three quarter window is very Audi, the way the way it's drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. One of the things that people are speculating right now is just the pricing of it. Um, so here's the thing: uh, top model of the Civic hatch is thirty eight. I think it was. Could be wrong. I can't remember exactly how much it was. I think it was like thirty eight. Um, oh, sorry, thirty five. Which means that the Integra, not the base, uh, but one that you probably want to get, it's probably close to forty. A oh, base yeah, probably is least. probably the yeah the the base is probably like thirty five. So it should range like the Integra. I'm thinking like you can get a base model at like thirty five or so, and then the top range, the A spec, about forty five. That's where I'm thinking that sweet spot would be for the Integra. I'm curious if they're going to do like super handling all wheel drive as standard. I don't think it's going to be a standard. I think on the base model, it's going to be optional. Uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, it's going to be the 1.5 turbo that's in the Civic going to front wheel drive with the CVT, or maybe they'll do a six speed because it's available in the Civic. So mm-hmm. it's not hard for them to convert over. Putting super handling all-wheel drive, though, it's going to be hard for them. I don't know if they have the R&D to actually put, you know, um, that. Because yeah, because it's going to be, aside be from the ILX, everything else is super handling all-wheel drive now, right? Yeah, so the TLX, the RDX, and whatnot. So if they are going to be lifting an engine, it's going to be from either the, TL, uh, the TLX or the RDX. I mean, it makes sense for them to lift it out of TLX, but that will just be like, why don't you just buy the TLX? Set? Yeah, so the TLX starts at 44,600. Mm-hmm. Um, but that comes with super handling all wheel drive standard now. Mm-hmm. So, two liter they, turbo. Yeah. But yeah. I'm wondering if they want to differentiate kind of the Acura brand, not just having kind of their own look but actually having their own kind of unique power train i think that would be a, a a good way to do it i think they can because uh crv is well I mean, crv is a standard all-wheel drive system it wouldn't be yeah. the same rear but the diff. architecture and the subframes and stuff i think would all i don't i don't see it being that big of an obstacle to mm-hmm. to evolve it into an all-wheel drive version of uh, the Integra. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows? They may want to do like a Type S version, and a Type S version could be the drivetrain from the TLX, because that, that would make sense. You know, a two-liter turbo with the super handling all-wheel drive, yeah. it makes sense for that, but... That is you know, the Civic Type R that we've always wanted. It Maybe. it could be it could be a grown up version of the Civic Type R. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe bring back the Type R, well Type S nameplate. Mm, the Type S nameplate. Yep, absolutely. There was never an Integra Type S, though, was there? No, back then it was just Type R. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, 
Let's oh, move wait, on. No, oh. Acura trademarked the Type S recently. Mm. Right? We we talked about this. Well, they, they have it that they have the Type S for the TLX, the TLX and the yeah. MDX. So it could come to the Integra. Mm. It could. Rather than just the A spec, A spec yeah. would just be the looks of it. Type S would have the actual performance goodies. Yeah, but th- we're talking over 50,000 at that point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And at that point, do you really want one? Ah, I mean, okay, look at the Type R, the demand on the Civic Type R, right? Yeah, but the Civic Type R is different because it's all fanboys buying See, it. Let's it be was, when it came out, everyone's like, I'm not paying $50,000 for a Civic. Because no. when it came out, people were like, okay, well, Golf R is, starts at 42. Um, and this, the base model type R also with a 16 manual started at like 45. Uh, started a, a little bit higher than a, than a Golf R here in Canada, at least. In the US, it was actually the other way around. Uh, the Golf R was more expensive. But um, I don't think, you know, I, I think the Integra name does have some value to it that will also trigger those same fanboys, you know. That's the only reason the Civic Type R has so many fanboys is because of the Integra Type R here in North America, at least. Yeah, but a lot of the current Civic Type R owners are buying it because of, well, the demand for it. They're buying it because it's a collectible. Eh, collectible. I mean, they make so many of them. Yeah, but a lot of people are treating it as collectible. How many of those yellow ones do you see posting up for $100,000? Yeah, they've I've come down three. a little bit to eighty now, but yes, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's but insane. and it's the same thing because you know why they think they're so collectible. DC two R, it 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 all comes back to DC two R. So there's no reason the Acura, the Acura badge is not an obstacle. No, it's because everyone saw okay if you have a clean. 40,000 kilometer, all original Acura Integra Type R, not a Honda, but the left-hand drive Acura Integra Type R, that is worth its weight in gold mm-hmm. in today's dollars. Yeah. Do I think it's worth it? No, because it's not that amazing of a driving experience by any standard, and you could buy a $2,000 GSR and build it up to <laughs> surpass it with another $2,000. You know, but... <laughs> but yeah, there. Everyone is speculating based on the Integra Type R, and the Integra Type R, I think, defined not just the reason the FK8 is deemed to be collectible, but many, many sports cars and you know modern classics. I think are based in how well cars like the the Integra Type R and the the Mark IV Supra, how those cars kind of more, you know, they're not that exotic, but look at how they've appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, let's be honest. Every single vehicle on the market right now has appreciated. Oh, right now, anything. You can have a, a caravan and it's worth more than it was last year. My my CRV is technically worth more now than when I bought it. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me, but hey. If anyone wants a CRV, let me know. Um, <laughs> moving on to that uh, Corvette. So the Instagram here, they dropped the photo of the 2023 Corvette Z06. So the C8 version of the Z06. 
and I think it looks quite aggressive. Yeah, the wide body is uh, quite apparent uh, on the front fender and then also on the, the door and the three-quarter panel. So if you pull up a picture of the normal C8, you'll notice they don't have that kind of black accent uh, above the vent just behind the rear door. Uh, and that's just kind of to, to blend in that much wider rear. I think it looks so much better. I think the... I don't like the way the normal C8 looks. It just... You put wheels on the front wheels are always too narrow, which they've now fixed because you've got wider front fenders. You can see where that bulge is. The car looks like it's doing a chubby bunny challenge because it it's just kind of like got these little fat cheeks, but it looks it looks good in its own way. Uh, don't get me wrong. It does look a little bit NSX. The front bumper does look a little bit NSX, but it also looks C8R. Um, also looks a little Senna. Yeah, yeah. Like on the on the sides, especially. Um, mm -hmm. how it has that kind of crease there. It just reminds me of that. Um, but I also see like remnants of the older versions of the um Camaro, like the ZL1 in there. Mm -hmm. Of how like the, the front the splitter opening, yeah. Yeah, it just looks very similar to that. I think it's it's a lovely vehicle, like overall. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but you know, how attainable is it? Yeah. That's that's the well, other thing. Yeah, to MSRP versus right now the market is crazy. So we let's talk when the market kind of normalizes a little bit when if. supply gets back up. Um, this car, I mean, the C8, the normal C8 uh, MSRP was basically in line with the C7. Uh, not 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 a big departure from that. Uh, so we should expect these to start in kind of the low. 100,000 range, which even now a, a C8 uh, 3LT is going for well over 100,000 for a used one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, realistically, people are going to be asking like 200K for this. But, yeah. Um, but is... MSRP wise, I think we're, we're still going to be in the lower half of the 100,000. But at 200K, it's like, do you want this? At 200K, it is still a good value. Yeah, I think so. But okay, so in a perspective of performance, I would I would hundred percent agree with you. But if we're talking about the the name brand itself, you know, two hundred k, there's other things that you can buy that are maybe more exotic than a Chevrolet. At two hundred k in today's market, right? It's a little bit different, just because. A used Cayman GT4 with no warranty and miles on it is still 130k. What it costs to buy a new one. I'm basically. pretty sure you can probably pick up a GT3 for 200. You could last year for sure. Uh, an early GT3, yeah, maybe. Like I'm thinking 991. 991.1 GT3, yeah. Yeah. I mean, make make. Like the 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 C eight Z six would be miles faster than the the, the GT three. Uh, let's be honest here, because it's down on power and everything else. Um, but yeah, when you when you tell someone, you know, at a dinner party, be like, oh hey, Justin, what do you drive these days? Then you say, oh, it's a it's a it's a Chevy, but 
it, it's a Corvette and, and it's a Z06. So it's not like the base model. It's the nicer one. Whereas your neighbor, myself, I'll be like, oh yeah, I got a Porsche. I don't have I to don't, explain. I don't think, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't so have to a lot of myself. the guys I know, um, they, they do appreciate both. And anyone who comes out to the track brings like they're they're pretty they're on the same level um saying that you have a porsche doesn't mean anything anymore because you might have a base model 718 or you have a v6 cayenne that's that's 15 years old like it doesn't does it's not a bragging right anymore to say oh but obviously saying you have a 911 gd3 is you know okay that's that's a little bit different but if someone doesn't know cars, you say you got a Porsche, even if it is a $5,000 V6K uh, Cayenne that you picked up, it, it has bragging rights. I don't care <laughs> what those people think, though. I don't think anyone cares what, like, someone who knows nothing about something, do I care what their thought about that something is? Like, no. That's, and, no. yeah, knowing... Um, <laughs> I see a lot of like 911 people now. They're embracing the C8. I think because they went mid-engine, it helped so much with the branding. Mm -hmm. uh, it it looks exotic. That's why their prices have never been at MSRP. Yeah. Like I see so many people speculating on just a normal C8, which I think is not very attractive of a car. Mm -hmm. That's that's my gripe with it ultimately, but the Z06 fixes that, and probably we'll get a Grand Sport and a ZR1 in the future. I, ZR1 is going to be really expensive. I, I do agree with you because, like, if I look at a a like a C8 versus even like a Z51 C7, mm -hmm. the C7 just looks more aggressive. Like, just how it looks overall. Yeah, proportionally, it's like perfect. Yeah. It's a FR, like really sleek coupe. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the C8 narrow body, just, it just a little bit awkwardly proportioned, I think. Uh, the wide body and the bigger wing, the, the press photo, or not the press photo, but the, the photo that Corvette posted on Instagram is doesn't have the bigger, the taller wing. But give it the taller wing and the wide body, and the car just. It looks so good. Like the proportions are fixed, and it, it's really how the car should have came out. I don't know why they they have to nerf it with a narrow body to begin with, because yeah, it just it's just an awkward looking car. There's a little bit of uh, McLaren GT vibe as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's not especially in the small wing configuration. If you cover up like the the front half of the car, yeah. It could definitely fly for something European. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. Corvette, if you can afford one. Um, if you can get your hands on one. <laughs> yeah. Let's not talk about affording. Let's just talk about if you can get your hands on one. Um, yeah. C8 Z06, definitely the, uh, a worthy contender. But something a little bit more down to earth. Uh, Stellantis yeah. dropped information of the brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee. So the Grand Cherokee L, um, that's already been released. You may have actually seen some on the road. The L is about five inches longer in wheelbase and in length 
comparing to the regular Cherokee uh, or Grand Cherokee, I should say. And this is more, well, this is more back to its roots, right? Because Grand Cherokee has always been a five-passenger SUV. There hasn't really been an L version ever. Um, so this is really where the Grand Cherokee shines. And there's a lot of new stuff on here that makes it quite interesting. But there's also some older stuff which some people may like because it may be more reliable or some people may not. So let's go into that. Um, first, let's talk about Let's talk about trims. Yeah. There's there's a lot of trims that you can get. There's a lot of trims, but I guess one of the most important is the 4xE, right? It's what we've seen on the Wrangler already, uh, those blue accents everywhere. Uh, but what's kind of cool about the 4xE, um, oh, so what it is, it's a 2-liter turbo four-cylinder plug-in hybrid uh, with 25 miles of all-electric range estimated, uh, and an S, uh, the MPGE, which is kind of a complicated, doesn't mean that much number, is 57 miles per gallon E, um, with the estimated <laughs> combined range. When, when people tell me, like, ask me to explain that to them, I'm like, you know what? Let me just say that it can do this. Once you run out of electrical range, it's this miles per gallon. It's easier to explain that than giving them equivalent, which literally never yeah. means a thing to anyone. Because yeah, with plug-in hybrid, it's like it's it's so variable what you will get out of it because how how long your commute is and how much you can realistically get out of a tank is going to matter like it's going to matter so much and it's going to vary so much from person to person 25 miles doesn't sound like a lot but for a lot of us it is actually enough and i think statistically for someone if you're charging it on an on an everyday basis uh you will barely use any gas because 25 miles will cover like 90% of 90% of people's commutes. Yeah. Um, it's decent. Yeah. So their, their estimated combined range is around 700 kilometers with both, but you could easily get more or a lot less. So it's, it's <laughs> like, yeah, but one of the cool things, so it, what I've said, it means next to nothing, but what is kind of cool is that they did the whole Rubicon trail in full electric mode, which that's kind of mind blowing. Yeah. That this thing, this kind of mundane SUV, well, not that mundane. They do come, there is a Trailhawk 4xE model. And that's the one uh, they took. Well. And that's the one they took. So yep. it's kind of, it's a, it's a cool SUV, actually. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, there's the, the 4xE uh, plug-in hybrid. Uh, yeah. And then, so that's the powertrain that you can get. But you can get that on a few different models. You can get that on the Limited. You can get it on the Trailhawk, which is that off-road variant. There's the Overland as well as the Summit trim as well. Uh, the Summit is like the new top trim mm. for the Grand Cherokee. It's very, very like fashionable. Very plush. It's, Macintosh. Yeah. It Macintosh? It's Macintosh uh, audio system. It it takes uh, some of the bits and pieces that were in the um, Grand Wagoneer and the Wagoneer and kind of mm. just shove that into that Cherokee. I think it looks great. Um, but if you're not a big fan of that, you can still get the Pentastar V6, which I'm going to assume it's a base engine because it that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and you can get the 5.7 V8 for it. 
Um, mm. I didn't see any information if it ha- you can get the two liter as well. Standalone? I don't believe so. I didn't see anything on that either. So I think it's just those yeah, three which configuration. Is, which is a little weird because uh, the two liter is offered right now on a lot of their other vehicles as like the one that's better in terms of fuel efficiency than the Pentastar, uh, mm. but delivers slightly less power, but more torque. But the Pentastar is kind of proven and reliable. It is. And it the V8 is. is proven and reliable. The it is. 4xE has that two liter turbo that is not so proven yet. And, but if you made the choice, the bold choice to pick a four by E, you kind of know what you're signing up for, right? So, um, okay. Uh, one thing I got to say about the four by E. So I, I got a chance to drive the four by E in the Wrangler. Um, and it's okay. So the Wrangler starts off as a not like <laughs> nowhere close to being a sophisticated vehicle. The Grand Cherokee is, so I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of engineering to make it better. But in the Wrangler, it was not smooth at all. When the hybrid like kind of kicks in, so when the engine kicks in, it was very, very rough. And the electrical motor, while it has enough power, it wasn't great. So if you had it on pure electric, well, just the the acceleration from pure electric yeah. it wasn't anywhere near the the amount of power that is like it's showing because in like combined horsepower i have it written down somewhere i don't know where i put it now oh 375 horsepower and 470 pound feet of torque on the 4xe that's when the both of the electrical motors and the internal yeah. combustion engine is working so like you look at that number, you're like, wow, a lot of that must be from the electrical motor. It really, like, yes, there's there's quite a bit of it that is, but if you're running on pure electric, it's actually pretty slow. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and the Wrangler has a traditional transfer case, right, still? It does. The 4xE, uh, whereas, okay, so the Grand Cherokee has three different 4x4 systems. Uh, they have kind of their normal quadra drive, quadra track one, and then they have the quadra track two, which is in the, it's very confusing. And then they have the quadra drive, quadra track two and a quadra drive two. The drive two is the is the hot one. So the drive two is the one that uh, is going to be on the Trailhawk model uh, with the rear ELSD. So mm-hmm. limited slip rear. So that's kind of your your you know sweet off road uh, all wheel drive system. So, but I think it's going to be smoother than a Wrangler for sure. Just sure in the so. sense it has a normal conventional all wheel drive system. Um, I think. I think it will be better because the the Grand Cherokee is such an important SUV for the brand, not just Jeep, but Stellantis as a whole. I think the, the the current Grand Cherokee, which has been around for a decade is still carrying Stellantis as a brand. Like, yeah, obviously Ram Ram is super important too. Wrangler is super important, but the Grand Cherokee is the oldest model that is still really relevant in terms of sales because they're still in their segment, which is the mid-sized non-luxury SUV, they're still like number four, or they're consistently in the top five in 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 the states. Um, I mean, okay, looking at a current Grand Cherokee, 
you don't think it's 10 years old though you don't yeah it, right it still looks good it still drives good too it's, I drove. It, it aged <laughs> very well it's mm-hmm. a very pretty vehicle overall it's handsome it drives well yeah. like you said there's enough space but you know you do feel like it's a little bit older because it is a little bit more compact on the inside but i have no problems with the current grand cherokee this just elevates that and it also elevates a brand. I mean, that's where they're going, right? The Grand Wagoneer is to compete against not a Tahoe, not a Denali, but it's to compete against the Navigator and the Escalates. This- yeah, so <laughs> reading through the press release, one of the funniest things I found was they're always like, this is the blah, blah, blah in class, blah, blah, blah in class. But they consider themselves to be in the class with cars like the highlander the uh the traverse um the atlas and these are very much pedestrian car-based crossover vehicles the grand cherokee is still very much a traditional suv with you know really good ground clearance but not that much interior volume. Uh, but they talk about how we're the only ones in our class with sway bar disconnects. Like, okay, but you're comparing yourself with a Subaru Ascent or a Mazda CX-9. Those cars have no business in, in sway bar disconnects. Well, well <laughs> let's, let's think about this. If I had a Mazda CX-9 with the new... Uh, off-road mode that you can press a button for it's very very good and i got disconnecting sway bars how far would i get off-road exactly they're like we're the only one with air suspension like (laughs) i mean let's let's be honest i think the grand cherokee i mean if it if you are looking at an actual competitor land rover discovery yeah you gotta go with like the premium brands because and it's not just in terms of the size it's the price because a loaded, not even that loaded Grand Cherokee. Any Grand Cherokee is going to be over sixty thousand dollars. Whereas you can't, like you, you can top out uh, one of these similar in-class cohorts, like a Pathfinder, <laughs> a Highlander, and yeah. they top out it. They top out in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's not really in in the same class. And Jeep, Jeep knows this. Jeep knows they're moving up market with with the new, the Wagoneer is is very clearly a step up market, right? They want to compete yeah. with Escalade. They, so it's it's not so much that okay, what type of brand this vehicle is in, um, so much as you know we're just directly competing with Escalade. I don't care what you think. Yeah. Um, I don't care what you think about my brand. You may think we make tractors and and Jeep Compass, you know, Jeep Patriots. They they want you to forget about those. Yeah, because it yeah. doesn't matter. At the end of the day, your brand doesn't matter as long as a product is there and it can compete. Because guess what, the brands that that was what what shot the the domestic luxury brands in the foot back in the 90s the 2000s is that they weren't really that much better right you compare like an old 01 escalade with a one yukon and it's like what's the difference yeah it's basically the same thing with some dressing with a different it. grill with some more chrome yeah you know um and uh, it's the same for lincoln right and and lincoln is still 
kind of struggling with that we can see and jeep just comes in here we don't need a luxury brand a luxury dedicated dealership dealer network we're just gonna do it we're just gonna do it and and it elevates the brand i think yeah absolutely i i love what they're doing and i think we we're so overwhelmed with really desirable jeep suvs right now but i love it we we certainly I want are. them all like there's something to like about all of them i don't want to own one necessarily because i still don't trust atlantis to make a good long-lasting reliable vehicle but they're all so delicious in their own way um so I was just actually sharing this uh, with Justin earlier today. Um, Stellantis actually emailed me this morning saying that the Grand Wagoneer is available to book here in uh, in Vancouver. And I was actually super excited because the Grand Wagoneer, I mean, it, it's not a vehicle that I would want because it's a $100,000 SUV and I don't have that kind of money. But it's a vehicle I really want to get into because of just the the presence that it has i don't need a 6.4 liter v8 but i want a 6.4 liter v8 yeah and man that is a good looking suv truck i don't know people call i don't i don't know where we draw the line anymore like i had someone (laughs) i had someone pull up with a santa fe and refer to it as his truck so it's like i don't know well you know but at grand wagon that is a slick yeah uh, whatever you want to call it it's yeah, yeah. whatever you want to call it um it's 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 sweet the but yeah i think this grand cherokee okay so back to the grand cherokee trailhawk model mm-hmm. uh which you can get as both a normal trailhawk or a trailhawk four by e uh the four by e gets the blue tow hooks the regular one gets red tow hooks uh 11.3 inch ground clearance max because with the air suspension uh on the on the regular one and then the four by e i guess because of the batteries it's a little bit lower slight about 0.4 inch lower half an inch lower uh 18 inch wheels 18 inch all-terrains looks like again the Goodyear Wrangler. Uh, looking at the tread, I think it's the Wrangler. What is that called again? The, the territory? territory. Territory. Yeah. Um, looks like we're seeing that yep. that tire again. Uh, so definitely doing something right there. I had someone. People still ask for the KO2s. Like, I don't know if people realize KO2, KO2, like the previous generation Grand Cherokee, has been around for a decade. And it has a distinctive look, and people want it. But as far as, like, how good of a tire it is in the dry, wet, or any objective measure, it's it's really not competitive anymore and they're the most expensive and they have a lot of quality control issues do not look at a ko2 like (laughs) if you follow kicking tires i will give you good tire advice um for every now and then uh because we sell a lot of tires and ko2 is i know one of the most uh the biggest chains in lower mainland does not sell ko2s because of their quality control issues uh they do not balance is basically the issue uh at least in the last year we've had a lot of issue with ko2 not balancing like you're lucky if you can get three to balance okay and then one will need like 10 ounces of weights <laughs> like three pounds of weights in a wheel um 
yeah, don't expect a smooth ride with the new KO2s. Well, quote I, unquote. I, I think the KO2 nameplate, it's kind of like Kleenex. That's, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, people's like, oh, I want an off-road tire. And everyone knows the KO2 because yeah. of their past. So everyone just wants it. Yeah, I'm just glad to see the market evolve. Because I think when this generation Wrangler first came out, we did see KO2s on them. But we've evolved past that now. So Jeeps, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. We got a brand, we got a relatively new uh, Wrangler, I think two years ago or something like that. Three years ago now? 2019. 2019? 2018 and a half, mm. I think. And then we got the Grand Wagoneer. We got the Wagoneer. We got a brand new Cherokee or Grand Cherokee L. L. Grand Cherokee L. So, next. They're going to, like, they updated the Compass interior, which to me tells me that they're probably not going to update that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think the next car, it's going to be their Cherokee. Cherokee. And it's going to be important because if they put a hybrid system in it, which I'm sure they will, it's RAV4 versus Cherokee. Mm-hmm. That's going to be important. And if they do a mini version of, you know, what this looks like, because... Grand Wagoneer and this looks very similar. Yeah. I would assume the Cherokee will look kind of similar to that rather than the Fiat looking thing that they currently yeah. have. And that's the beauty of Jeep's design language is that even if you look at that freshly facelifted the compass, you can still see a lot of that DNA. And it's not just the grill, it's it's everything about it. Like that looks like a Jeep, this looks like a Jeep. And that's again, I always bring up Hyundai in that conversation <laughs> is that they they don't know how to design a car. They know how to design like kind of they have their ideas, but they cannot design one cohesive brand. And Jeeps Jeep kills it with the branding. The ironically the, the most un-Jeep looking Jeep is the Wrangler, which is the most Jeep Jeep you can Jeep. <laughs> right? Like that is that is the, the definitive Jeep. Um let's talk about interior a little bit. Yeah. Um we've seen some pictures of the interior. We we've seen Grand Cherokee L and uh uh whatchamacallit the Wagoneer already. Uh I like the passenger screen it's got a 10 and a quarter inch screen on the passenger side so they get to fiddle with their their own entertainment stuff the back seat if you get one of the higher trims will get the uh, rear entertainment screen with uh the fire fire tv um so that's kind of cool oh the fire stick thing yeah 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 so it's uh, basically got Amazon. fire integrated into the the rear entertainment screens uh which is awesome uh you you had that on the the minivan right yes the pacifica yeah so i'm sure it's very similar but i'm sure this is updated as well yeah and then supposedly the uconnect 5 is five times faster than last generation which i didn't think was that bad it wasn't but the new uconnect so it it's, it's even better like, like it was in the pacifica and i loved it in there it was really good system yeah so they are really nailing it with a lot of like yeah you want this like it's not just (laughs) so you know when we talk about a brand okay let's bring back hyundai to the discussion is hyundai always brings a lot to the table in terms of checking off uh you know whatever it might be 
you know, having air conditioned seats in like a sub $30,000 car. Uh, that's, I think they're the only ones that really do that. And they, they offer like heated steering wheel at a very low price point, heated rear seat at a really low point. They will check off a lot of boxes. I find that's their tactic, but, but Chrysler, Stellantis, they like to just put really good, attractive, initial quality stuff. I think like you look at the materials, they all look good. The screen, everything you touch it, everything feels good. But then usually they, they mess up with the overall long-term, <laughs> long-term durability. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where Stellantis usually falls flat. And that's why I've, I've always kind of worried about picking one up but man they kill it in initial quality like they do they it's, it's again it's so delicious this car like everything <laughs> everything they come out with you just you want it so bad and yeah no absolutely um uh, actually got an email just now uh from one of my favorite automakers genesis yeah. so and hush you uh before we go into the next thing that's actually on the list i want to show you some photos that uh genesis has emailed yeah. <laughs> so this is the the gv60 so the email came in saying genesis premieres gv60 a luxury ev that delivers on interactive mobility what does that even mean? I have no idea. There's a very big blurb that comes through. Here's what you need to do, uh, or here's what you need to know. There are three models. There's a standard model with rear drive and all-wheel drive, and there's a performance model. I think th these are in, it doesn't, no, these are in kilowatts because it doesn't make sense if it's, horsepower if it's in horsepower because it's 168 168 horsepower is it's, it's too little um so 168 kilowatts is 225 horse horsepower so that's the base model you get 225 horsepower with the all-wheel drive that's 234 kilowatts that's 313 horses and then you can get the performance model the performance model in sports mode gives you 429 horsepower, but in boost mode, that gets you 482 horsepower and 700 newton meters of torque. You mean end green shift mode? And <laughs> See, I was just talking about how Jeep, a traditionally off-road brand, um, kind of delve into luxury. And then we were talking about the GV60, which is kind of the most un-Genesis Genesis, like based on the exterior design mm -hmm. specifically. That, that doesn't look kind of like That's, a... It definitely doesn't look like any current Genesis set. So yeah, like, it looks more like a like a something... A Kia. A Kona or a Soul, like something related to that. Yeah. Um, does not look like a premium vehicle. And then here they go with their press photos showing it bombing through the desert. <laughs> and it's like that is not on brand for genesis actually like, <laughs> no the gv80 press photos has the exact same thing they are bombing through the desert <laughs> i don't know why who's doing it but 
Is that the, the one where Tiger was rolled over on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks to Genesis, he's still alive. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, the the photos. I mean, I, I'm still not too sure about the GV60 in terms of how it looks overall. Uh, but these are the specs that I mentioned today. Those are all the specifications. Uh, apparently, are for the Korean market only. And international market features are to be determined. So we don't know exactly uh, what it's going to be like if it's going to have those three types of models. So standard rear drive, standard all-wheel drive, and performance all-wheel drive models. Uh, but I guess we'll see in the future. Looks kind of cool, I guess. In terms of range, let's see if it has it on the press release. Powered by a dedicated EB platform that maximizes driving range and performance fantastic uh <laughs> oh so the base model which has the 77.4 kilowatt hour battery has a range of about 450 kilometers whereas the uh one with more power you're looking at about 360 i don't know the gv60 to me looks like a car that you Speaking about dinner parties, going back to that idea, this is a car <laughs> that you always have to explain yourself, right? Why you bought this car. That is the problem. If you pick up a Z06, no one's asking you why you bought a Z06. But <laughs> you have to explain yourself why you got a GV6. <laughs> okay, so a Genesis is easy to explain. Here in Canada, anyways. Okay, so I can explain that. I know, understand. I, you don't need to explain a GV80 to me. No, no, no. I'm going to explain it to the audience here, all right? In Canada, for Genesis brand, first five-year full maintenance is included. So you call Genesis. They come and pick up your car. They do the service, whatever they need to do. They return the car. If that service takes a while, you can ask for a loaner. The loaner has to be your vehicle or better. So if you bring in a GV60, they're going to bring you a GV70, GV80, G90, whatever it's going to be, or better. They will never downgrade you. And that's something that BMW can't offer. That's something Mercedes can't offer. That's something that Porsche can't offer. So that is pretty cool. And that is something that, you know, if I was to spend $70,000 on a luxury vehicle, it'll be nice to have. Yeah. It's it's really just because it's cheaper. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know if the engineering behind the cars are like <laughs> anything cutting edge. No. And and uh, like I get I get the Ionic, I get the, the what Ionic five, the, the yeah. Kia, what's that? cool uh ev6 ev6 but the gv60 just i just well it's the same platform they moved it to genesis and they thought that was a good idea I don't know. well let's move on more electrical news hmm. here's a luxury other luxury electric news but like actual like luxury luxury <laughs> this right? is not the old, gv60 that this looks is like old fashioned luxury <laughs> yeah not the tarted up kona n or kona electric uh that that the gv60 is but 
uh, Rolls Royce, like the the Kleenex again of of luxury cars. <laughs> I don't think they'll appreciate that. No, because <laughs> they're tuning in to kicking tires on regular. Yeah, they're yeah the yeah the head guy. They're like, oh yeah. man, I don't like these kicking Harsh tires. <laughs> we won't we won't give them press cars. <laughs> they so, don't have new new project or new product project, whatever you want to call it called the specter um not gotta, related to 007 but possibly <laughs> <laughs> who knows um rolls royce called it apparently so that the thing is rolls royce this is their uh it should be coming in about two years mm-hmm. it's a full electric model and it's going to be their own architecture so it's not going to be hand-me-down bmw ix or whatever uh i architecture it's, it's a rolls royce through and through and and they're saying that also by 2030 that all of their models are going to be full electric which it's you, you get that from the rest of the market but not a company that's still using their six and three quarter v12 v12 do you get six and three quarter batteries after (laughs) (laughs) like that that it's six and like six and three quarter v12 three quarter kilowatts yeah like it'll be like six sixty seven point five kilowatt hour it's a legend right for for No, not only Rolls Royce, but for Bentley, because you know that's what they shared. Yeah. But that six and three quarter means a lot to the brand. Yeah. I'm just wondering if they'll try to implement that somewhere into their electric vehicle. I don't know, but you know, as far as electric, it just it just makes perfect sense. You know, we're we've gotten there a few things about this car. It doesn't need crazy range. I feel like because no and it won't give you crazy range because it's going to weigh a ton evs are heavy enough as is and rolls royce are heavy enough as is you combine to an immovable object and an unstoppable force and you get like it will weigh like a small planet Uh, it's gonna weigh literally as much as a bus yeah it's it's gonna be heavy for sure so it's not gonna get crazy good range for the power and Rolls Royce is not big on like zero to sixty. You know, it's not Tesla where they're trying to do a sub two seconds zero to sixty, right? It's got to be comfortable. It's got to be quiet, and electric makes a lot of sense for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think as far as range, it doesn't really matter. But do expect it to be not as competitive on that sense. But Rolls Royce is not about competition, right? It's mm-hmm. that the whole brand is it's all about just making the best luxury sedan or or suv or coupe that they can Mm -hmm. um and apparently rolls royce predicted that this the founder or something uh what did the press release say they said they over a century ago they predicted that they would be full electric so now they are full electric like that that's kind of that's kind of cool too yeah um i I think they're going to tune the throttle really well. Like it's going to have the latest technology in terms of yeah. like motor. So it's going to have a lot of power, but what's it going to not have that aggressive regen. <laughs> well, what's going to happen is when you floor it, like, you know, on a lot of cars, like when you floor it, that zero to 60 is probably like the fastest part. But once mm-hmm. you're like above a hundred, it slows down. 
I think what they're going to tune is they're going to have quite a linear kind of acceleration throughout because they don't want, exactly. They don't want you to feel like you're being completely smothered in your seat yeah. because that's not what, what Rolls Royce is about. It's about being smooth and yeah. they're going to tune like the zero to 60 to be not slow, but slower than it can be but give you all the power afterwards. So that way you can accelerate to Audubon speeds or whatever you need speeds that you need to be, but still be super comfortable. Yeah, I love that. Cause it's like, it's like the anti-Tesla electric vehicle, right? Right. Fit and finish, <laughs> you have two <laughs> sides of the spectrum, right? You got Rolls Royce and then you got Tesla right way at the bottom of the market. <laughs> like, like no argument there. I don't think any company has worse fitting panels than Tesla today. Oh, oh okay. I was like today. Saturn back in 19, whatever we'll disagree. Maybe in the nineties, but yeah, <laughs> if you had a time machine, but by today's standards like that, you have the two extremes yeah. of um, fit and finish. Yeah. And then you have kind of, you know, both call themselves a luxury. Like a Model S is kind of a luxury competitor. It's always meant to kind of take people's attention away from your traditional Luxo barge mm-hmm. type vehicles. And now that's why Rolls Royce is, is in here, I think. Yeah. It, no, it they, definitely like, makes this sense. is this is what you know. Obviously, we have the EQS, um, you know, and and every review of the EQS is like, this is so much better because it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's I'm a, really curious how the tuning goes. Yeah, it's a better luxurious like type of environment than the regular S class. Even though the regular S class has a lot of the features that the EQS has. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Moving on, Subaru dropped a video for their brand new Solterra. So this is the Toyota BZ4 EV, whatever they're calling it. It's a Sun Earth. <laughs> and I mean, they dropped a few things here. Um, so the first thing I want to take a look at is their rear end. On the rooftop, they're split <laughs> the spoiler type R. type R, Civic Type R, or Civic Hatch kind of winglets on top. They're super weird, but I, I like it. It's super funky. Um, the glossy black plastic that's underneath <laughs> the rear taillight, that, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about that part so much. There's no front-end photos. Uh, dusty headlight photo. And the headlight's also surrounded by black plastic. It, it's definitely different. Um, you can kind of make out the front end. I think it looks quite good. It basically looks like a RAV4, except styled up a little bit. That's mm-hmm. basically what it looks like. Uh, quite interested in this, of course, you know, Toyota Subaru collaboration. It's the next thing for the brands to have a full EV in their model range. Um, it's going to be, it, it has to be pretty successful for them. I think, I think it looks fine. I don't think there's any problems that I can see, but we'll, uh, we'll see it in the flesh in the future. And, you know, make our full judgment then. But that that uh, that D pillar is completely raw for so Maybe Toyota, just sloped in. Yeah. 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 Like this this still frame that you have where you can't see the badging, like that's a Toyota. Yeah, the front three quarters. Even you... the fog light placement relative to the headlights and is yeah. very Toyota. 
so what I'm kind of thinking in here is like, what does Subaru do? Because yeah, in the in the collaboration with the BRZ and GT86 FRS thing, right? Um, Subaru did the engine. That was the biggest part for them. They did the horizontally opposed engine, but they used Toyota's injection. Um, they also did a lot of the chassis tuning. And doesn't actually Subaru make them for Toyota as well? I could be wrong on that. But yes, Subaru builds all the Toyota 86 is stamped Subaru everywhere, kind of like the the Supra is stamped BMW, BMW everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing. And the the FRS's suspension was already existent with the the STI hmm. at the time. So like the rear suspension, the, the arms are the same. Oh. The rear arms are the same as STI. The 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 uh what do you call it? double wishbone and strut setup is also very much similar to the STI setup. Hmm. Um yeah, so yeah. I think I think we'll see chassis design from Subaru, hopefully, because Toyota can't make a chassis. Like they, <laughs> they have not proven me. Even you can you can make as many Apex editions and GR this and that, but I'm convinced that Toyota cannot make a good handling car. I, as much as I love Toyotas and I only drive Toyotas, I well, you're currently yeah. driving a BMW, aren't you? Oh, now I am. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. Um, <laughs> but yeah, excited to see more information on this. I'm curious what would happen. Um, but I think that wraps it up nicely to our review this week. The uh, Mercedes-Benz AMG. ad for Mercedes. Your Mercedes. It, it, it had to happen. It had, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's the GLA 45. Mm-hmm. So the GLA 45 is the smallest, but with the biggest motor. It, it's bonkers. Let me let me just say that. It's yeah. absolute bonkers. Um, 380 horsepower, I think it was. Yeah, 382. Zero to 60 time in about four seconds. Formatic plus with an active rear diff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no drift mode. Not that I saw anyways. I uh, like this. But it, it's a perfect hot hatch that Mercedes doesn't make, that they don't call a hatch. They call it an SUV but it's a hash. It's, it's a really, really good car. I don't think it's the car for most people because if you want a fast, small Mercedes, the GLA 35 would be sufficient because the 35 gives you 300 horsepower already. Mm. Having this much more, like, yes, it is a whole lot faster. Yes, the engine is different. Yes, this is hand-built by some dude or dudette. Uh, but is is it worth it, the you know extra, I think, seven grand to go from 35 to 45? Mm. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the debate there, right? I mean, the, the 35 that I had before, the GLB 35, I thought it was a great vehicle already. And the GLB gives me better proportions as well. Where is the GT wing? That's an optional AMG aerodynamics package that huh. this vehicle didn't have. Very you get the GT wing on the back and you get canards on the front. And I mean, I, I'm sure people have remembered from the old GLA 45 and mm. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. 
I don't think it looks good on the car. I think it, it looks, looks so wild, though. It looks so childish. That's what it looks <laughs> That's like. That's the point of this. This whole car looks childish. Even without the wing, it looks childish. So. I think... Okay, so because this one has the AMG Night package and is blacked out, I don't think it looks that childish. I think it looks fine because it just looks yeah. like it's kind of subdued. Yeah. But with the canards in the front and the wing on the back... It's hard to. It's so ridiculous. Can it's, it? It's, can you get it in like bright yellow AMG? Yellow? <laughs> I'm not sure. I know that like with the that CLA way. you can get it in the bright yellow, but I don't know if you can get it in a bright yellow for yeah. the so, GLA. You know, I know we both prefer the GLB mm-hmm. just because it's kind of quirky and like practical but the lines on the gla do come together really nicely on this 45 like the ride height and just the roof line the the window everything is it it it's pretty nice yeah you're I, not wrong you're, yeah. you're definitely not wrong it doesn't it's, look there's not there's nothing awkward about the way this car looks no minus it, the gt wing if you have that package it's a smooth body line mercedes that's mm-hmm. reminiscent of like the gle and the gls the glb it kind of has like gls and maybe g-wagon kind of look because it's a little bit more boxy um and in terms oh, of champagne. colors <laughs> you can get it's, champagne but not yellow what the you heck? can get rose gold metallic <laughs> you can get this patagonia red um, well, and then cool. you get all hues of black and gray <laughs> oh i noticed mercedes is doing the uh the nknto3 thing now where they oh, added a ring in the uh on the wheels yeah on the wheel i saw that on the c63 like a few weeks ago and i thought it kind of looked weird but uh yeah yeah that's it's really just awesome. a lot of shades of gray it, it is a lot of shades and then and red you, <laughs> you can get also a matte gray which is kind of cool um yeah that's always a good choice a matte colored car comes with a lot of attention of like taking care of that color so if you're the per- type of person that you know if a bird takes a poop on your car and you're like Oh, it's fine. I'll wash it off later. Do not buy a matte colored car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the champagne looks great, though. Rose gold metallic. I don't think they've... I want to see, like, you know, you know, when they talk about, like, oh, this air-cooled 911, there were only six in this configuration. I want to know <laughs> how many people got a, a GLA AMG 45 with that rose gold with, color. With the rose gold. Because <laughs> you... it's like... Okay, so if you have money to buy a GLA, you can go way higher. Yeah. And like typically if you if you're willing to spend seventy thousand, if not more, on a compact SUV that has some crazy motor in it, you you're willing to spend you you can afford to go higher. So I think like the people that can afford something so extravagant, they don't go for the GLA typically. Um yeah, so I don't know if anyone wants that f- weird of a color in that weird of a configuration of a car. I just want to yeah. know how many they will build in that color. I mean, enough enough market research that said, hey, let's offer this color, Yeah. right? Like, so they must think someone is going to buy it, but I want to know who, because to me, even yellow or green would make more sense than that rose gold. 
you're not wrong. GLB also has that rose gold and the red. But they the also, red I can see. The red, also, I don't think there's anything weird about the red. There's also a galaxy blue, which is actually pretty nice. I think the one I had was denim blue. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah. Unfortunately, no crazy yellow, like the CLA 45. Or the A45, because all the press photos were in that crazy yellow. Well, you can't get an A45 in Canada. Yeah, no. You can only get the A35, but you can also get that in the sun yellow. Mm. Oh, you can also get an A35 with the aerodynamics package. Oh, there you go. So there that you looks go. just like the one in the press photos. <laughs> that's, that's exactly a GLA35, but if you want it lowered. <laughs> if you want it lower with a slightly smaller truck. Yeah, there you go. A35. Filling in all the niches of your hatchback, <laughs> boy racer. All, all the needs. Yeah. I think that's really it for uh, this week. Anything else you want to add? Nope. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for watching, everyone. We'll see you next week with some more Autobotus news.